0: Hello and welcome to episode 31 of JumpCast, the podcast brought to you by us, the award-winning team behind JumpCut Online. My name is Nick, and I have two wonderful people joining me today. Firstly, all the way from the City of Angels, it's our resident Hitchcock expert for the day, Fiona Underhill. How are you, Fiona?
1: Hey, I'm good, thank you. Excited to talk Hitch?
0: Yes, I'm very excited. I'm excited for you to teach me about Hitchcock. (laughs) I'm excited. And secondly, from a little bit closer, it's about a two-minute car journey away, it's Jacob. Hi there. How are you? I'm good,
2: thank you. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Also very excited to speak about Hitchcock. I've been swatting up a little bit over the last few days. Oh you've done some Not preparation nah no, I've built myself up there now and I'm
0: going to <laughs> struggle
2: <laughs>
0: yeah I've come into this accepting that my knowledge is going to be it's going to be whittled into insignificance by by Fiona on mm-hmm. this podcast so I'm excited to learn
2: that's just everyday life in jump cuts well yeah <laughs>
0: But yes, today, we've we've mentioned it, we are here to talk about Alfred Hitchcock. We're celebrating, I think, this episode will be going out on Monday the 15th. I think the release was actually on the 16th of June, so it's literally a day before its 60th birthday this episode will be going out. So after that we've discussed Psycho, we're going to uh, do a bit of a dive into his filmography and discuss some of the stuff that we love about his films. And some of the stuff that we don't. I think I might be a bit more vocal in the second half of that element. (laughs) But yeah, because I have some questions. But yes, so Psycho is a good place to start. I said it was uh, released on the 16th of June in 1960. A little bit of info for you all here and for all the listeners. And um, in its first year, Psycho earned $15 million, which was 15 times what it cost to make. I think for a lot of people, Psycho was probably seen as a bit of a watershed moment or watershed film. It generated two sequels, is that correct, of its, of its own?
1: At least that, I think, yeah.
0: And there's been multiple remakes and obviously mm-hmm. it's like the Bates Motel TV series as well. And then obviously was also sort of like the the original sort of madman with a knife film, which has obviously been co- copied and reproduced hundreds and hundreds of times uh, in the film market that we see now. By us, Nick. By us, inclu- yeah, yeah. including us. <laughs> I, it's weird that I directed that film and didn't, and never watched Psycho previously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and obviously, it's uh, it's not just the, the madman with a knife trope. It's a lot of modern horror and horror films and suspense, psychological thrillers sort of have their roots um, firmly in Psycho. I suppose the first question to ask both of you is how old were you or can you remember when you first watched Psycho? Mm. I'll start with you, Fiona. Can you remember when you first watched Psycho?
1: I can't. I can't remember, actually. Probably a teenager. Yeah, I think it would have been a teenager at home with my parents. I used to watch a lot of classic cinema, especially at the weekends. And uh, yeah, I got a lot of my classic cinema education from my parents. But yeah, I just, obviously it goes without saying it's an absolute classic. My main memory associated with it more is introducing it to classes that I've taught. So that's, yeah. a, that's a fond memory for me. I used to teach film studies, which is one of the best and most enjoyable things I've ever done in my life. And I loved introducing sort of 16-year-olds to older films. And yeah, so teaching Psycho has been has been something I've really, really enjoyed.
0: So we literally are going back to school today. <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jake? Do you remember yeah, when you I first saw Psycho? I first watched it. Uh how
2: long are we talking? Maybe about four years ago. So relatively late in my well, saying that yeah, yeah. Relatively late in my kind of film watching experiences, I'd say. It was something that obviously that I mean, the scene in the shower is something that everyone knows about, I think anyway. So I'd always seen that scene in the past before I even knew what it was. But yeah, I watched it for the first time about four years ago, absolutely loved it and became a bit of a a favourite of mine. It's definitely my top 50 of all time, I'd say, probably even... Well, it's in my top 30, I think, if I'm being accurate.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And, yeah, like, like Fiona said, it's just so iconic, and you said as well, Nick, it's it's influenced so much of the horror genre since, um, which I think is a massive testament to how good it is um, and how kind of groundbreaking it was as well. And I think, having watched it again... On Sunday, this that, yeah, this Sunday that's just gone, I was still... I mean, I knew I knew the big twists and the ending and everything like that, and I knew the big moments that were going to come. But even still, I was kind of on, on tenterhooks and really excited by the, the whole experience of watching it again. Um, I made my partner watch it as well. Chloe watched it, and, and she was quite like invested in it, even though it's quite an old film. It's
0: black and had white. She, had she seen it before? You watched
2: it on? So. No, I don't think. No, she was kind of similar to the earlier experience of what I said, where you, you know what, you know that scene, you've all seen that before. But apart from that, no. So for her to kind of invest in a black and white film for a start is quite a big breakthrough.
0: <clears throat> I'll say it quietly because Beth's in the other room, but I have the same problem. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I've been forcing <laughs> her to watch black and white and old films and foreign films and stuff like that since lockdown. She can't escape it anymore. So, but no, yeah, I think like I say for me who's watched it before to watch it again and still really enjoy it and someone who'd never seen it before and might have been a little bit more averse to it to still kind of find something in that and be you know have their attention drawn to the film it says a lot about it
0: yeah the first time i saw it was last year i think as recently as that it was one of <laughs> hitchcock's shocking nobody <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was and it was my first hitchcock experience um hitchcock had always been a blind spot in my sort of film watching, I'm not going to call it a career because <laughs> if anybody had a career like mine, they'd have been fired a long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it was my first Hitchcock experience. And like like you've both said, or particularly Jake, who watched it more recently, you know that scene and you know about Norman Bates and you know about, um, well, I say you know about the twist at the end, but I don't I know d- if I did know it. I don't know if I did know about the twist at the end. I can't actually remember. I didn't have a clue. No, I kind of had guessed it by about, about three quarters of the way in. I can't remember what scene it was particularly, but I was like, hmm. But anyway, yeah, my and it was my it was my first Hitchcock experience and um, it's my favourite to date as well. And again, my, my Hitchcock experience is limited, uh, but of the films of his that I have seen, it's quite easily my favourite of his.
2: Interesting, it was my first Hitchcock as well. I don't... I, th- I think it's the go-to.
0: It's strange because I don't think, if you asked, sort of like, you guys may differ on this, if you asked film experts and like cri- critics uh, professional critics i don't think people would say that psycho is necessarily his hitchcock's best film by any stretch of the imagination but i think it's probably got the furthest reach in terms of yeah a public sort of engagement and interest in watching it
1: yeah definitely. like
0: i th- I, th- I think you could i think you could say to go down a, a high street and then interview 50 people and 40 of them would have said, oh, yeah, I've seen Psycho. Whereas you could probably count on one hand the amount of people or two hands the amount of people I've seen, like, lots of Hitchcock films. So it's probably, like, the one of his films that kind of, like, transcends.
2: I think it's the most accessible, I'd say, yeah. as well. Yeah.
0: To an extent, you know,
2: it's it's kind of, like I said, it's exciting, it's got twists, it's, it's all those horror tropes that people are familiar with and then see, oh, this is where it comes from. So it's quite... Quite an interesting film in that sense. It's got such a wide reach because it is so accessible.
1: It's got psychological elements, but it's not—it's yeah. co- not as complex as some of his. I mean, if you no. like, Marnie would be an example of a, a Hitchcock film that is so complex and layered, and that a lot of people would struggle with. For example, whereas Psycho yeah. is just so I- iconic and has been so influential that it's that people can connect to it. You know a lot more because especially horror fans obviously because you're seeing so many of those tropes introduced
0: yeah it's weird to watch it sort of for the first time last year obviously having like i quite like horror films i watch the horror films fairly regularly and kind of to watch where those sort of ideas and tropes came from and are being so sort of blatantly but sort of respectfully sort of reimagined and copied at the same time yeah um it's really sort of fascinating to see kind of where the origin the origins of it, that a whole almost a whole genre sort of came from because like i said the sort of films like halloween and friday the 13th and those sort of franchises they wouldn't exist without without psycho well maybe they would maybe somebody else would have come along but and done something but like psycho is kind of like the granddaddy of all those isn't it? an interesting thing i thought i don't know what the answer to this is fiona i did google it and i think it's quite a boring answer <laughs> why did hitchcock decide to make this black and white do you know as far as i could tell from my my google search because yeah. if you look at something like rope and that was done in 1947 something like that 48. which is 48 yeah which is an over an entire decade before this and that was obviously in color yeah. what was the decision to go back to black and white was it just a budgeting thing
1: i don't think it's budget i think he very carefully chose when to go to black and white so he did it in 1956 with the wrong man as well i think it's a stylistic choice and i think it really works so for example everyone well i think most people know that the blood in the famous shower scene is chocolate syrup and things like and things like that work in black and white obviously in a way where you'd have to um, find different solutions in color yeah. I think it's just so beautifully shot. I think the black and white absolutely works perfectly in Psycho. I agree. It's just, uh, you know, for this, the cinematography and the use of sort of light and shadow and silhouette, when you think about that iconic, again, silhouette sort of of, you can see it's like the, the mother figure kind of through the shower curtain, yeah. you know, approaching and the knife is like that just wouldn't be anywhere near the same in colour it it works because it's got those that stark contrast it's got the you know the silhouette the light the shadow it just wouldn't be the same in color
0: no it works really well and i think the first time we see the mother is when Marion pulls up to the ho- the motel and looks up at the window and then her silhouette walks past the window yeah again in the black and white that just becomes so pronounced that it's quite it's, it had a, obviously it had like a sort of haunted house vibe to it but it was like it the black and white sort of um contrast contributed to that hugely i also did read that hitchcock himself a reason that he wanted to because i think he went to paramount and obviously wanted to pitch uh wanted to make this film and they said it was impossible to make and there was fears that this shower scene and shower sequence and a lot of the film generally speaking would have been too much for a lot of audience members to take and to sort of understand and appreciate um so Another reason that they did go to black and white is so particularly for that shower scene that the blood yeah. wouldn't look as bloody so that you could, because again, this in in the 1960s, this would have been, I imagine it would have been pretty groundbreaking stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm so jealous of anyone who got to see it when it first came out, but for several reasons. One is that how fresh and original and just coming out of nowhere it would have seen seemed but also um obviously the twists and just the unexpected nature of it you know you would have gone into it with no knowledge of the shower scene no knowledge of the ending one of the most shocking elements at the time was the fact that janet lee who's the big star of the film you know the yeah. the fact that what happens to happens so early on that would have been absolutely shocking uh, to, to to the audience.
0: That was going to be the next point I brought up to you for you both was when I first watched it. That was the main shocking moment for me because obviously I knew the shower scene existed, yeah, but I expected it to happen in sort of the last fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah. And the film is kind of like two halves, if if you like it, it go mm. it tricks you into thinking okay, here's our heroine. We see her commit this crime of stealing the $40,000 from that terrible man in a cowboy hat. <laughs> um, and then we like, okay, so we know where this is going. She's going to go on the run and then she's going to come across some police officers and she's going to have to run away and we're going to follow her journey. And then for, I don't know what the timing is of when she of when she dies.
2: I think it's roughly about 45, 50 minutes in and it's literally about the halfway point, like you said.
0: Yeah, it is. that was the one thing that really threw me when mm-hmm. I watched it the first time. And I was like, that's such a, again... Looking back at it now, nearly sixty years ago, that is such a bold, a bold thing to do in terms of narrative. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you think, Jake.
2: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I, like I say, when I was watching it the other night, I kind of obviously I remembered what how early on that happens uh, and when it happened, Chloe was really shocked by that. You know, she said, she, I think she even said like, "How long's left?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. quite a while still." <laughs> so we're only about halfway through, and she couldn't believe that. Which I think it's really interesting. That's definitely what my thoughts were the first time I watched it. I remember, like you said, it's built yeah. up so much that you're following this woman, and then suddenly she's gone, and you're thinking, "Well, where the hell is this going next?" kind of thing. And I think it does. It escalates. It. It's like with any kind of horror film, and you see it with like what Ari Aster does nowadays as well. With this first, you know, first yeah. ten minutes of Midsummer is disgusting, and then you know, right, okay, shit, this is going to get a lot worse. Hereditary when yeah. the lamppost intervenes at yeah, the halfway point. Yeah, I was going to say, her-
0: Hereditary was the, is the most sort of recent sort of equivalent I can think of, where mm. a lot of the marketing was done where we were told that Charlie, the young girl, was, was going to be sort of key to the narrative. I mean, she is key to the narrative, yeah. without doing any spoilers for fees, I know you haven't it's, seen it. It's
1: all right, I'm not bothered. <laughs> oh, is it <laughs> not? Shit, <Yeah>, sorry. <laughs> okay. um,
0: but when, but when um, that happens... It completely subverts all of your
1: expectation.
0: Expectation of what we've been told through the trailers and through all the press and stuff of what th- this film is going to be about. And yeah, I got the exact same vibe from that. And I think a lot of it comes from as well when again because this is now such a common a common genre in cinemas that we're told that. So it, an example is something with a like this would be Halloween, where the whole film is Jamie Lee Curtis being chased by somebody. And this, and it's almost like this shower scene would have been one of a series of incidents, or maybe the final in a series of incidents where she's been attacked or chased by this person. But mm. the fact that it was the first time it happened, and then she's killed or murdered in the first sort of altercation that they have it's just it blew me away the first time i saw it it's
1: almost like it's based on something that her mother did
0: yes almost (laughs) (laughs) yeah no uh yeah i I, I wonder why they cast jamie lee curtis in halloween (laughs) yeah um i suppose that sort of bold thing we talked about so how bold that story is it's also a film that really sort of addresses some sort of it kind of challenges the whole sort of idea of sort of American families and American motherhood and the American dream and sort of like, so sort of kind of like rips them apart, really. Yeah. The sort of, again, the sort of value, uh, the relationship between Norman and his mum before events is also, is kind of hinted at being not very natural, shall we say. And it, there's a lot of sort of just like permissiveness that happens and it's just it's like every single character has their own sort of way that they are sort of breaking the rules of society if you if you if you know what I mean so
1: that was one of the most groundbreaking elements to have Janet Lee be the heroine and the protagonist and as we've been saying we're following her and her journey kind of rooting for her but you know very very early on she commits a crime she's seen as what would have been viewed as a very kind of shocking Slutty vibe basically for the time yeah. because she's viewed in like a, a bra and uh, you know, not very much clothing quite early on. So people would be like almost turning against her, and then they might view the shower scene as kind of her getting her comeuppance. But then, yeah. um, but then the second half, uh, Norman Bates kind of becomes the protagonist, and then we're kind of rooting for him. And yeah, it's just so kind of twisted, and like you're saying about the sort of values and it's it's just subverting expectations all the time and subverting kind of the values we place on those we consider heroes and heroines and villains.
0: Yeah, even the side characters like, um, I can't remember what she's called, but Marion's uh, the person who works with her at the... Um, at the agents, um, yeah. when she comes up and she says, "Oh yeah, I've been taking tranquilizers for years," <laughs> and um, like at the like at the time, they've been like, "What the hell?" Like, but every single character has their own little way. Like Sam, and then she, and then obviously Marion's in a sort of uh, in a relationship out of marriage with uh, yeah. with Sam, and mm. Sam's cheating on her, his soon to be ex wife, but is still married to her. Like every single character along the way has their own sort of way that they're they're sort of breaking the rules, and it's just. Well, yeah, it's just absolutely infested with ways that people are sort of stamping on these sort of traditional American values. Yeah, the
2: the woman, the um, the person who works at the estate agents—is it estate agents? Isn't it?
0: It's yeah, it's yeah. like a sort of yeah.
2: That's house, um, yeah, some kind of sales. Hitchcock's daughter, isn't it? The the is that other right? woman who works there, yeah, Pat, Pat Pat Hitchcock.
0: Is she? Is he? Does he have a cameo in Psycho? I don't know if I saw
2: it. I couldn't spot him.
0: I'm sure he does. Probably he must
2: do. No, I didn't spot it. I I was looking for it the other night, but I couldn't see one. But the must, yeah, it's got to be somewhere. He never misses a chance, does he? Yeah. (laughs) No, I think that's interesting what you said about these kind of flawed characters, and especially the protagonist that you follow first, which is uh, Marion. Like you said, within literally, I mean, the first scene, she's already doing something that a lot of people would turn against her for with the. The relationship yeah. out of wedlock kind of thing then the the robbery and stuff like that so it is it's, it's weird one to subvert the audience because he's not he's not giving anyone that we can fully kind of get behind in a moralistic yeah. kind of sense you know it's not even like he gives her a chance and then there's a decision and she's flawed by that it's literally straight away he's kind of saying you shouldn't be backing this person kind of thing
0: i read a an interview with a quote that he gave and um, Hitchcock's use of mirrors in the first half of the film. Mm. There's lots of instances where Marion is stood in front of a mirror or there's a mirror in the scene with her. And the very first time we see her with a mirror is before she picks up the money and goes. And he said uh, that was the moment where she had like, self-reflection.
1: And confronting herself.
0: And confronting herself. But then every single time she's in the scene with a mirror from there on, she doesn't even acknowledge that the mirror's there, even yeah. if it's in her car in like her wing mirrors, or I think when she gets to the reception of, of the Bates motel, and in her room, there's mirrors, and she never once sort of acknowledges herself or like looks sort of inwards unto herself and he it, it was it was read that Marion once the at the moment she took the money off the bed and then decided that's what she was doing, she was like beyond help almost that she'd become so sort of like, her journey had become sort of self-determined. Yeah. So like, I don't know whether he's asking us to to sort of like buy into her story and, and appease with her or not.
2: But when she when she's at the motel, I don't, know if it, I, I don't know if it's a lie or not though. That's the only thing. When she says to Norman that she's heading back to Phoenix to yes. kind of get, she's got herself in a trap and wants to get out of it. I wonder, I don't know if that's, is she lying to him or is she... Is she actually going to go back? I know we never find out, obviously, but what do you think to that?
1: Yeah, that's the thing, is that we, because her life is abruptly cut short, yeah. we, we don't know where she would have taken, uh, you know, how far she would have taken it and if she'd, yeah. she'd have got away with it, if she'd have had regrets and, uh, you know, gone back or if she'd been caught. So, you know, it's, left, it's open-ended and, you know, the audience have a lot of agency in terms of, determining like what you know what her intentions might have been or what might have happened to her
0: I do think it's really interesting the way he frames Marion after she takes the money and then the whole journey to Bates Motel and then obviously to the point where she's killed a lot of films a lot of films sort of let the viewer be there as caught sort of like a passive bystander to sort of so you're just watching events unfold yeah from sort of from a distance but the way especially I noticed it in the um, in the car journey she is framed like she fills the frame. Her face fills the frame, and like it's almost like invasive how much access we're given to her, and the way that the sort of I've never seen this done before. That might because I haven't watched enough films. But when <laughs> when she was driving in the car um away from Phoenix, a scene was playing out as a voiceover
1: yeah so mm. it was
0: acting as as like a like a voice inside her head but it was a scene happening elsewhere at the same time people like discussing like oh where's she gone she's normally late on mondays oh she'll be in a couple of minutes and then oh she's still not here and then they sort of descends into them accusing her of stealing the money like and that kind of acts as like a doorway into sort of marion's psych a little bit i thought even though it's not her thoughts um yeah i think the way that I think the way that she's framed and she's, she is, is, and it sort of, what's the best way of describing it? It sort of, yeah, it doesn't let us be passive yeah. in, in just watching her, like, do this, go and get a car, steal the money, go to the hotel. Like, it involves us in the narrative. It's the same with Norman in the second half as well.
1: Yeah, Definitely. I think it's definitely like her her guilt is going into overdrive, and also her fear and wondering, you know, what it, what is happening, and she's imagining what the scene might be playing out as she's you know driving away. But yeah, you you're definitely getting an insight into her internal monologue there. I'd say,
0: yeah, I'd say they, they do the same with. Um with Norman in the second half he gets uh he gets the same treatment it's it's quite a sort of intense forensic examination of of his of his mindset and his psyche as he's sort of as we're told he's covering up for his his mother but but he's not <laughs> mm. how good is anthony perkins by
2: the way
1: oh amazing really good amazing so
2: really good. good i i paid i think me and you talked about it nick when you watched it when have you, like when you watched it quite recently, you know, what, was it last year or whatever? Was yeah. it late last year you watched that? I feel like it wasn't too long ago.
0: It was second half of last year. Yeah. yeah,
2: and I think I think we were talking about like obviously back in that kind of era, it was hard to find really really good actors. I think you know when you watch older films like that, there's always I find it anyway that the majority of people aren't that good at acting sometimes there's some shoddy acting
0: we'll get to that later <laughs> I, I, I
1: know i know you're going to bring that up for the birds it's a different style of acting <laughs> yeah it's, instead of saying then it's not good acting no yeah, uh, yeah. St- styles have changed and it's definitely a different style and it can be hard to get used to and adjust to it. Yeah. but if you give these things a chance
0: <laughs> that's one of the points i was going to bring up later <laughs> so but the thing with
2: perkins i think there yeah. then is it is timeless acting what he's doing there the little yeah. nuances and subtleties to his performance are what you would not, you know, it wouldn't look out of place now yeah. at all. It's really, really solid, it, deep it, acting. It is.
1: Yeah, it is a different style, I agree, and it feels more modern and fresh, and because mm. he's doing so much with his eyes, and obviously yeah. that iconic shot of just, you know, where it, you know, he's just looking and kind of smiling and just saying so much with his face. It's incredible. Yeah.
0: The last scene of him in the in the cell, yeah, um, as he's doing as he's as he's doing that monologue, yeah. in his in his head is oh, and his smile at the end, mm. and his th- and that how how dark his eyes are and his yeah. brow, oh, so it sends chills down my spine <laughs> just thinking about it.
2: I love how kind of versatile he is throughout it all as well. Like you see him really scared when Sam's yeah. confronted him. It uh, confronted him. You see him clearly lying and sweating, and you know everything, and being quite charming to people as well.
0: Also, I was going to say when we first see him, he's genuinely quite sort of personable mm. and and sort of yeah, charming. I suppose is the best way you could describe it. Uh, when he first uh, meets Marion, obviously, officer, officer, some tea and sandwiches and whatever, whatever it was. Nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things going on in that performance that it's it's absolutely. Did he get nominated for it? Don't think so. Disgrace. That
2: is ridiculous. <laughs> he,
1: deserved, he definitely deserved to win an Oscar for it. But I, yeah. Think, yeah, I think, like, like nowadays, even, you know, horror is not recognised by awarding yeah. True. boys, is
0: it? No, don't get me started on Tony Collette. I'm still mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's just incredible in it.
0: He is. I, when I was watching it, th- you may shout about me. Shouting says. <laughs> I was... I was imagining, so I know there have been remakes of it. Um, I haven't seen any of them.
2: you imagining a new cast? Yeah. I do that as well.
0: There's been a TV, there has been There was a TV show of it with Vera Farmiga yeah. in it as well. But I was imagining what who would make a good Norman Bates. And I don't know whether it was just because I think they look vaguely similar, but Andrew Garfield uh, is who I think I, I was thinking
2: the with. exact same. In my head. He does look like him. You're right. And I think he'd be good at that,
0: actually, as well. What do you think, Fiona? She, she's turned off in disgust. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: Well, surprisingly, I'm actually a defender of the Psycho remake, the Gus Van Sant one with Vince Vaughn. I don't hate it. and I, Wait, I, does Vince
0: Vaughn play Norman Bates? Yeah, I, he
1: does, yeah.
2: Jesus Christ. What year? Was it like 1990 or something, <laughs> that one?
1: Yeah, it's like 2000.
2: Oh, is it? Uh, oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i not opposed to, you know, I don't object to it for, for existing, which, you know, a lot of people have that kind of stance. Uh, Andrew Garfield, I am extremely mixed on, but
0: possibly, yes.
2: I think more for looks, in, in, in more than anything, but you could play that quirky character.
0: It was just the first, it, again, it is, it's that stuff when he was sort of being more personable mm. and sort of likeable. He just gave me big Andrew Garfield vibes. I don't know if Andrew Garfield himself is very likeable uh, Yeah, the
1: remake was like, 98, sorry. 1998.
0: All oh, right, okay. I may, well, if if well, if if Fiona, the the, the our resident Hitchcock expert, yeah. says that the we're allowed fine, to watch then it, I might That's give that. it a <laughs> to compare. It yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Psycho.
2: I just wanted to throw a quick question that I've just thought about.
0: Oh, so obviously yeah, we said on. the
2: film is kind of split into two halves, with the, with the killing of Marion as the end of the first half, kind of thing. Which yeah. half do you guys prefer, if any?
1: This that's just so tough because the, <laughs> the second half is amazing, but only because the first half existed. So I think that's a really unfair question. Like the, the sec- that's
0: an that's an unfair answer. <laughs> the second half is Come only
1: in. as good as it is because we've had that first half.
0: I think I would I would go for the first half.
1: See, I, I'd go second, but I you know with the caveat
0: because the my reasoning would be the for 40 minutes in you think you know exactly mm. what you're getting and then those last 10 minutes after they've had that conversation in the parlour with all the weird <laughs> taxidermy on the wall yeah is that yeah. what it's called taxidermy yeah. stuff yeah, it it is, yeah yeah i was doubting myself and then she goes next door and starts and dressing to go in the shower when he goes into the room and then takes the picture off the wall and then starts peering that is, that in at her in a room. Sure. I was like, oh, God. That's 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 the moment when I was just like, okay, this film is... Uh, I love it. This film's, <laughs> like, dark. I just love the way how quickly it, it does. turns. And that's a signal yeah. of how um,
2: unhinged he is as well, because it's literally... He's so happy to have her in the room and chatting and then literally a second later.
0: Like, there's little moments, obviously, looking at hindsight in that scene before in the parlour when he's talking about uh, Mm. stuffing animals and um, he talks about not understanding how animals work until they're dead and they've been stuffed. Yeah, which obviously is a bit of a heavy handed foreshadowing once you get to the end. Um but yeah, just the way that in that five minutes from the sort of the second half of that conversation through to sort of what happens, that the way that the film turns mm. just like that with a click of the fingers is was amazing to me. Fiona, anything you want to to add on site that we haven't talked about, well, I suppose we haven't talked about the um, I, I did want to score, mention we? that
1: I think the re- one of obviously the main reasons that the shower scene is so iconic is very similar to the, to why jaws is so iconic and it's because yeah. uh, that score in that moment is doing so much and also it's and also the way it's shot Combined with that score, is tricking you into thinking you're seeing more than mm. you are as well.
0: So, yes. so
1: Jaws yeah. does a similar technique where obviously it holds off on you seeing the shark for so long, and it uses the dun to signify the shark. And then with Psycho, with the shower scene, you're getting the whack wow <laughs>
0: and that's <you're>, exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And because the way it's shot, the editing is so disorientating. You're getting the knife. You see it coming down, but you're not seeing it Mm. actually enters skin. So you're you're being like your eye is being tricked into thinking it's kind of more brutal and gory than it actually is.
0: And what you're seeing, yeah.
1: And I love how disorientating that camera work is, and the eye. I have to talk about. Oh well, her hand, everything. Oh, sorry, her every body part, like her hand mm. when it comes up and then grips the shower curtain, and then the eye. Is that is the like shot when she's my on, the, on the floor of all time? Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. And yes. then the camera yeah, yeah. spins, horrible. and oh, it's just
0: it's so. I was just going to mention that shot. The bit when she collapses out the shower and onto the floor, yeah. and then you see it goes down the plug hole and then comes back to her eye of her being like dead (laughs) on the floor it's it's great do you want a little fact about the shower scene which i found when i was when i was doing some research how many days do you think it took to film that shower scene
1: a lot because um hitchcock likes to torture his blonde uh, actors which we'll get (laughs) you later probably
0: it took seven day seven whole days, to film just that one scene, and, and how many? And there were seventy-eight different camera setups wow. and takes that they did yeah. for that for that and, shower and scene. And when
1: we talk about the birds later, and I know you're going to start criticising Tippy and her performance, I will tell you about what Hitch did to her in that film, and I hope you feel guilty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, I, I, well, Fiona, I'll, I'll I'll say this now: I feel less guilty because I felt guilty. I'm going to say it, swear, shitting on the birds because a lot of people say that it's really good and they love it, but when you told me Hitchcock was a bit of a <laughs> shit himself, I feel less guilty by by saying the film shit <laughs> but yeah, that's a nice transition actually, to leave Psycho behind and go on to Hitchcock's filmography. Let's do Can it. we start with the birds?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I think we're going to have
0: to Rip the yeah. bandaid off <laughs> right so i'll tell you both my opinion on the birds which is one of only four hitchcock films i've seen i've seen psycho i've seen rear window i've seen rope and i've seen the birds the birds is by far out of the four the worst i like i actively disliked the birds and i think, I think that's the point and of and the film <laughs> everyone dislikes <laughs> the birds nick <think. laughs> no yes okay but okay I'll, I'll outline my points to you and then you tell me why I'm wrong. that's probably how it's the best. How mm-hmm. best to play this out? <laughs> so, well, a lot of my issues are with the act- the actual story and the narrative. So I can't remember what the woman, the main character's called. What she called, Mrs. Daniels. What's her first name? Is
1: it Steph? Steph? Hang on a sec.
0: I know what your first. I'll call her issue Mrs. Daniels. <laughs> you you
2: you sent me this, didn't you? I think you? you asked me this on text. It's
1: either Samantha or Stephanie. I think. Hang on.
0: I know, it's something Daniel. I can't remember. Melanie. Melanie. Okay, Melanie. That's a really hard word to say. <laughs> Melanie. Right, okay. Yeah, essentially, I think the story is idiotic. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, okay, I'll, I'll run you through the story, and you tell me that this is, like, narratively sound. So, a woman enters a, a pet shop, going to pick up her, her birds that she's ordered, and they haven't arrived. When there, she sort of vaguely flirts with a man, who she has no idea, he doesn't introduce himself or anything. So, and she's so sort of fascinated, infatuated with him for talking to him for two minutes that she decides to uh, ring somebody up to track his number plate, find out his name and find out his address, which is fucking bizarre behaviour to begin We've with. Have you never done that, Nick? So, <laughs> so then she then decides to go and order a couple of lovebirds, they f- uh, the lovebirds because and then she's going to go and take those 60 miles up the coast in search of this man that she now has the name of and then try and find his house also at this point i should say that the birds that she originally ordered weren't there to be picked up so were going to be delivered to her apartment that evening so when she's gone off gallivanting (laughs) up to wherever whatever the bay is called Mm -hmm. she's got two birds that she's just bought who are now lying i assume dead in her apartment because she's just left them and done swanned off up to wherever she's going so essentially later on this is a, a further an extra point we'll go back to my narrative issues in a minute i think the whole film is about the, <laughs> the spirits of the dead birds yeah. in, Mel- in, in melanie's in melanie's flat yeah
1: i don't, um, I, don't I don't disagree and you've yet to say anything <laughs> that's bad so i not
0: wait for you to get to the bad <laughs> point <laughs> well all the oh yeah right so then she, when she gets to the where's the bay called it begins with B, does not it i can't Bo- remember Bo- what it's Bo- called De- so you De- think yeah, bay. bodega bay yeah so when she gets there she then accosts a local teacher and says what's the name of this person's daughter which is bizarre anyway so then she could write a birthday card <laughs> to her and then she goes across the lake rents a boat across the bay g- commits a breaking and entering crime to then leave some birds there in the front room and then runs away
1: Nick has safeguarding issues and all in this, this movie <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and then all this is for a man's daughter which makes it even more creepy like he, she doesn't know whether he has a wife or um. Or she, daughter as a mother and like what uh, the whole time in the first 20 minutes i was just sat there like who is this person (laughs) and what is she doing and i know horror films are renowned for characters doing stupid things but like this was like off the chart the first 20 minutes i just sat there (laughs) i just sat there in disbelief Mm -mm. my issue oh yeah and then the whole first hour is just nothing happens in the first hour absolutely nothing happens in the first i know it it plays out like a it it plays out like a terrible soap opera like with all these sort of interweaving families and relationships but none of which have any long-lasting sort of point by the end of the film
1: her behavior that you've just described is often in rom-coms and it's often men doing this kind of Stalkery behavior, and it's seen as a, a, a big romantic gesture. By the
0: way, <laughs> well, it shouldn't be. It's weird.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, she's just—it's utterly bizarre behavior, and we're asked to like root for this person. Yeah,
1: she's an unhinged queen. Yeah, I
0: love I, her. I, I... I was just shouting at—I was shouting at the sparrows I think she's um, yeah, paparazzi. like, to like she, she is <laughs> quite unhinged.
2: But I think it's important to remember about why she's unhinged. Is the main thing, which is about her her mother, who who was obviously involved in a bit of a weird relationship as well. When Melina was younger, uh, her mum like ran away with someone. So I think her whole her whole view of like romance and relationships is obviously skewed because of that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it is. It, you're yeah. absolutely right. And like Fiona said, you're absolutely right. So these things you've said are actually quite interesting. I think that she's gone to these lengths.
1: Yeah.
2: But. I it is weird. It
0: really is weird.
1: Like I don't know how. It is weird. Yeah, it's but I don't... such a weird film. Yeah. It's like one of the best things about it. Oh, I love. Th- like honestly, if I only could choose one Hitch film, bearing in mind I've seen twenty-five Hitch films and love them all dearly, I might choose The Birds as my favourite. I lo- I love it. I love it that much.
0: <laughs> Absolutely baffling <laughs> to me. <laughs> like, like, okay. If you boil, if you ignore, because I have issues with the the acting. I think, and I know we said it's a different acting mm-hmm. to Psycho and to a sort of more dramatic, other dramatic films. But it's it's almost laughable in points.
2: But the, I think again, the, there is parts that are laughable on purpose. I think with the birds when they're driving as well. Yeah. And the birds like tip. Is it uh, they, they tip in some what? weird way, don't they? Which is quite. It was intentionally it's, it's a bit of a goof so kind of thing. Yeah. I-
1: yeah but I love it i love it 's so over the top it 's melodrama, and the the actual horror of the situation to me is like to me it 's scarier than psycho and it traumatized me more than psycho and it has had a massive influence like i 'm scared of birds and I, I entirely put that down to this film. And when, when I start to see birds in any number start to gather, and this used to happen quite a lot in like my childhood home, there'd be a house opposite us, and birds would start to gather on top of their roof and kind of all in a line. And that, that <laughs> and was it, like, Fiona's oh indoors. They're, they're yeah. gathering, they're, they're, they're watching me. I, f- I find it terrifying, but also funny and melodramatic, and I just love everything about it.
0: I did read a thing uh, Jordan Peele said after he'd done um, Get Out, And then obviously with us, he said his approach to doing a horror film and writing a horror story is to find something every every day and make that scary. Yeah. So what they have done with like, he did it with a teacup and with a pair Mm. of scissors and like, obviously that's what uh, Hitchcock was doing here with the bird. Like how many times you go out for a walk or look out your window and there are some birds on a, on some telephone on the top of the telephone, telephone wires or like you said, on somebody's rooftop. So I do understand that it's just, Oh, and the best thing know. about
1: it is that there's never any explanation. What I love about it is that it just starts one day and and and, end. and, and, <laughs> and ends and there's never any motivation, there's never any big wider point made because that's the thing with some horrors nowadays and I'll include something like us in this. Is that there has to be kind of a, a wider explanation. At the end, there has to be a, oh, you know, th- this is actually worldwide, mm. for example. That's like a, a common twist yeah. at the moment. With horror films, but what I love about the birds is that it's so specific. It's like this one town, it's this one woman. It is targeted, and it's like, but but why? Why do the birds hate her so much? And and like the motivation is just never explained. They're just like evil fucking birds are after Tiberdrin, and I love that about it.
0: I have no issue with that at all. I think that's great. I think that puts out the sort of. The way that sort of nature is that there's quite is often isn't an explanation. Yeah, ra- things. random. It's just, it, it's just things just happen. But like, I'll I won't I won't go I won't talk about the effects because obviously the. There was obviously limitations at the time of what they could actually do, um, so I don't think it's fair to sort of pound on the special effects too much. If you watch it now for the first time, it is a little bit distracting, but it's not—it's not the film's fault. But like, what do you think the birds is about? Does it have to be about anything?
1: No, I, I don't. I don't think it really does have to be about anything. I do. I do think like all of Hitch's films, he is exploring. Psychological aspects, because he does this with all of his characters. Like Jacob was saying,
0: like I've seen somebody describe it as a metaphor for an insular community rejection. I think the mother's the main.
2: Yeah, Mitch's mother's the main one who could be seen as the kind of the cause of it. Maybe she doesn't want her there, does she? Obviously, so
0: yeah. But like, but I don't think that metaphor stands up because they end up doing sort of more damage to themselves than they do to her because she manages to get away in a car, whereas there's. Some people will end up like dying. So, what is it saying? Because you that can't control nature are...
1: because you know, you even if even if it is like a human having some sort of power over them, you know, it that always goes wrong and you can't control. I guess nature.
2: that again reflects the kind of idea of if this say, let's uh, it might not be, but let's say is Mitch's mother kind of instigating this, is that kind of overbearing nature of what she's doing actually detrimental to her relationship with Mitch and and the wider kind of yeah uh yeah everything so it may be that she wants to do that but then obviously that backfires on her the people around her everyone so that could be one
0: yeah yeah i don't necessarily think anybody's like in charge in like no. a sort of supernatural way There's not the like there's not like a bird whisperer <laughs> in in, in, in the Bay. <laughs> but yeah i still i still read it as as um the spirits of the dead birds in in <laughs> melanie's flat because she gallivanted off to the Bidega bay of uh, come back to haunt her. That's how I read I think it. think you could be on
2: something there with those with the birds that she leaves behind, though. Again, if you think about what, what
0: yeah. Melanie's mother did. What an irresponsible yeah. pet owner. She got she owned what, them for less than 24 ir- hours. Yeah. If, Melanie, yeah, if Melanie's mother ran off uh. with someone
2: <laughs> and left Melanie behind, Melanie's only doing that to some birds, isn't she, there, I guess, in that sense, and running off after a, a man there.
0: And then the birds have come mm. back to, to kill her. Yeah. That's it, we've cracked Maybe. it. Maybe.
1: I love this interpretation. <laughs> yeah, I just think, I, I mean, I know we could talk about the effects, but something so simple as the famous jungle gym scene where she's outside mm. the school and there's a, a, we we call it climbing frame, yeah. don't we, in the UK? Yes, so, we do. Um,
0: None of that jungle gym. Sorry,
1: I, I'm, I, I have to speak in both American <laughs> and UK English all the time. And I have to code switch all the time. Yeah, so when they're starting to amass behind her, and obviously she's just blissfully unaware and smoking her cigarette, I just, I, that sequence is so, so good. And it doesn't, you know, and that that stands up today. I don't think that's... Yeah, yeah. For that is,
0: that's, the, that's the best scene of the film by an absolute mile, that mm. scene. Like... By an absolute nine, <laughs> yeah. What do you what? So, what would you rate the Birds then out of five? I suppose we're going to do a five star scoring system.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm going to say five.
0: You're going to, yeah, yeah. You're five, Jacob. What? What about yourself? Like, where does it sit in the Hitchcock <sighs> I team? think
2: it's up there. You know, I think it's my third favorite, probably after.
0: Oh, it's well, it's my <laughs> fourth favorite. <laughs>
2: I think my, my is Psycho, then Rear Window, and then The Birds. I remember watching The Birds at, at university. And it was... Oh, maybe that was the first Hitchcock that I watched, actually. I might have lied earlier, thinking about it now. <laughs> I, remember, I remember they showed Despicable. it at university for some reason. I think it was Animals in Film module. And, yeah, that must have been the first time I watched a Hitchcock film. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, and that was it, properly impacting for me to see that. I knew, obviously, the effects weren't amazing and some of the acting was a bit dated and stuff. But I just remember being <laughs> so shocked by it and kind of not overwhelmed but like I'd never really seen a film with such a like you say kind of putting this such demonic evil kind of aspect to nature and something that you see every day like birds especially
1: If you want to feel sorry for Janet Lee being in a shower for seven days then have some Yeah tell tell us about about this Yes go on Who's, who's in the attic, you know, like the climactic scene where she's like at the top of the house and the, yeah. the birds are getting in through the roof and stuff. They they use real birds on this set, by the way. It's not all just like, you know, a bird, a, a plastic bird on a stick or whatever. They use a <laughs> lot of real birds. And Hitchcock absolutely traumatized Tippy Hedren and would just put her, you know, in a confined space with real birds and rile mm. them up. And just, like, would go at her and go at her and go at her to get didn't that he, performance Didn't he do
2: something as well where he... I'm sure he sent her into a room or a space or something and didn't tell her what the scene was even going to be as well. I'm sure I remember something he, like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: I'm sure... He he, manipu- he manipulated his actresses a lot. And there's, like, we could, you know... We probably need several mm. more hours to get into the psyche of Hitchcock himself and what he did to his icy blonde.
2: I get that, in a, in a sense in the obviously you want to get a natural reaction but there's a there's a line to that so <laughs> there has to be a line
0: it's yeah I, swear, as you say, it, I
1: feel... and it, you have to sort of uh, examine his reasons mm. behind why he cast these actresses who all looked very similar who were all these icy blonde types and then what he what the roles he put them in and then how he treated them on set and there's a lot mm. going on there
0: yeah See, i feel less bad <laughs> saying the birds is a bit shit when it turns out. You, hit... What did you give it out of five stars, Nick? Uh, one and a half, so three out of mine's, ten. Mine's
2: like a four star, I think. Yeah, yeah, solid eight.
0: I just, I, I, I don't know. I just, I suppose Fiona, you know what you said earlier about how you have to get into a mindset to watch yeah. older films. I kind of describe it as when people try to like read Shakespeare for the first time because, like, yeah, as an English literature student, I've read enough Shakespeare to flipping. For a lifetime, but once and it is difficult. It's difficult to begin with, but once you get
1: into the, get rhythm, into the
0: mindset, it's you kind of get in, mm. in. You understand it more, and it's easier to comprehend. Yeah, I think I'm still in the process of finding my of finding my comfort with with yeah. not just Hitchcock, but with films sort of prior to. And as as much 60s. as we
1: tease you about it, Nick, I'm very happy that you're doing <laughs> doing it and trying it and I would say keep going with it yeah, definitely and don't be put off by by your by your early experiences we'll
0: get to that at, at the yeah. at the end of the show you can give me a couple of films you would recommend but yeah no like but this is the thing, I just I just think the birds was too far removed for me in terms of I know it might have been deliberately like me. <laughs> <hiking. laughs> <laughs> but like yeah, it was it was too far gone for me. So Jake, what f- Hitchcock film do you want to talk about? I thought about a film I didn't particularly like. What film do you want uh, to talk about? I'd like about? to touch
2: on Rear Window. As I said, it's it's my yeah. second favourite after after Psycho. And another one that's just so iconic as well. Like everyone Yeah surely knows about rear window to some extent at least and it was it was a film that i knew a little bit about but again only on a basic level like psycho where i knew it's about a guy who's watching people which i I find really interesting i think that's a really interesting idea to start with anyway
0: yeah is it i've it's just a
2: (laughs) extended here we go it's an
0: it's it's an extended version of mickey fanican's maintain the peep sketch which
2: is amazing why would you not want that which is <laughs> the PP? <pee-per laughs> of no, right. the PP. My thought, <laughs> the PP. <pee-pee>, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: my my thoughts on Rear Window are that it was a really, 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 really good concept, done, not perfectly.
2: Is anyone perfect?
0: I won't say. It's, <laughs> no, I say, I, What's another word for not, adequately? Oh, I don't want to say badly. Adequately. Uh, yeah, there we go. The um, it's you a, need to
1: watch the modern day equivalent, which you'll be more comfortable with, Nick, which is distu- Disturbia with Shia L- Yes, L- 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 I have heard Shia
0: LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. My main, my main. I'll explain my main problem again. You can tell me why I'm wrong. But my main problem is that okay. The apart from the can we just say bordering on weird voyeurism of a particularly the gymnastic uh the gymnast across the way yeah which at points made me feel a bit uncomfortable that's the but point apart from that yeah exactly <laughs> but the there was nothing that happened i can't remember what the man was called the murderer and his wife but there was nothing that happened that like everything you thought was happening was happening do you know what i mean Everything you thought was going on in that flat across the I way is actually what was going on. But
1: yeah, but that's that's the entire point because you're meant to think Jimmy Stewart is paranoid mm. and and deranged and unhinged, like a lot of Hitch, Hitchcock characters. But he's obviously improved right in his in his kind of mad ramblings.
2: I love I love that Nick keeps bringing up these issues, and we're just
0: like, yeah, that's the that's yeah, the best and we're part. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I just wanted, like, in the last twenty minutes, I wanted a, the whole thing to be flip the table over, and be like, "Ha! You thought wrong all along." And I was like, "Oh, well, it was just exactly what I thought was going on in the first place." That's a bit mundane.
2: I don't know if that is. I don't know if that's right. Like, like Fiona says, it's that kind of you are watching the film thinking this guy's. You, you know, or or people around him are thinking this guy's paranoid. Blah blah.
0: But you don't think that because you know it, because you can see it's happening in real time that it is right, and it and it was right. But then you were, yeah. So, so then like... you
2: yeah, but you're aligning yourself with Jeff and seeing that you know this is happening, but everyone else isn't seeing that. So then you, when it all kind of comes to fruition and you see the obviously the climax, that should be the payoff there. Yeah. Mm. Do you
0: know what I mean? Maybe. But why? are possibly. I don't know. And it's an interesting bit bit.
2: subversion of the idea that there's got to be this twist, where, like you said, what you were waiting for didn't come. So that in itself is a, a twist, maybe.
0: Yeah, that's just annoying. <laughs> 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 but that just left me unsatisfied. Mm, okay. Oh, I don't know. I just I, I don't know. I, I suppose I'm a bit of a sucker for having my mind blown, and I didn't have my mind yeah. blown. I think a lot of a lot again. I've 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 said this multiple times when watching older films. A lot of my problems with watching them is that. I have such high he- high expectation of going into watching them,
2: like the old films that are classics. You mean kind of thing where, but also, yeah, also, yeah, yeah.
1: I think that you you have seen so many films influenced by that, or things that are kind of subverting it. So you're expecting twist endings in horror, for example, but you, you need to go back to these masters like Hitchcock, who invented these horror tropes in the first place.
2: See, I've had so this when issue. You're yeah. going,
1: when you're going back, you need to understand that everything that's that you have been watching has been influenced by that that particular thing.
2: I had that exact issue with a few films, Blade Runner for a start. Yeah. I watched that and was like, but I've seen this done and probably to be honest done better
1: yeah exactly
2: and same with what was the but, film that um, I said I the other day did... as well was it Indiana Jones that I mentioned I'm gonna get I'm gonna get yeah. here. <laughs> Indiana Jones as well I said it was like quite generic and then I realized straight away shit it's, gen- it's generic <laughs> because it, it is the genre In- so. it,
0: yeah it invented the genre. <laughs> it invented the genre but i do sympathize with yeah, that i, do, I think I get that. i'm like that i think i came with i think because rear window is so well like revered like people love rear window i think and because everyone said oh it's so clever and everything and because as things were progressing i was like okay everything's progressing exactly as i think it is and people say this film is like amazing and I was like okay I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the moment where it's gonna twist and gonna grab but my attention it's, it's like, not, yes right
1: it's not clever for plot reasons it's clever for its construction the fact that they actually constructed that
0: set. yeah the set is mental
1: and way. and yeah. had you know those people doing those things in real time and then the construction in terms of like blocking framing and the like you know the most famous scene perhaps is when grace kelly actually goes into his apartment and then when she puts on the wedding ring and things like that and it's just the way that you're viewing things through the telescope as well as an audience and when you say like oh what you know i felt watching that gymnast was a bit creepy it's like this is exactly what hitchcock is trying to do that's his entire purpose is but that, now you've said that, that he's you... a creepy
0: guy I just think that, yeah, that was him being creepy no, but, but
1: this is why it's so layered and interesting Is because he he's Having the protagonist be a voyeur Is forcing us to confront Our own voyeurism And this is a theme that goes all the way through Hitchcock Voyeurism is one of his His main themes it Not, I yeah. mean re- rear window is obviously The kind of zenith of that particular theme. Yeah. yeah, but it, go, it goes through all his work and I think he absolutely is saying things about himself as well, that's the interesting thing is that I think he knew what he was and a lot of his work is kind of him confronting that, mm. it doesn't mm. make him less shit as a person <laughs> but I just mean <laughs> I do think he is you know, he a lot of his work is definitely him wrestling with his own psychological issues and then he puts all these really really complicated psychological issues onto his characters.
0: Could he not just be less of a shit? (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a good way to confront his problems by uh, actually not doing it. You can say this about ninety percent of the world, really.
2: (laughs) Easier said than done. And
1: also, his, his, you know, he could just go to therapy instead of using his work as his therapy. Yes. But
2: then we wouldn't have this podcast.
0: (laughs) So, and that's what it's all. That's what his. That's what decades and decades of Hitchcock has been doing.
2: This artwork. Is this podcast coming together?
0: So, yeah, Jake, tell me. Sorry, I, I, I invaded your conversation about telling me why you liked Rear Window. Tell me why you like Rear
2: Window. Um, I mean, we've touched on a lot of it there, to be fair. <laughs> um, the Yeah, the voyeurism kind of aspect of it is fascinating, I think, with the, like Fiona said, the kind of setup of all the buildings and stuff and the fact that you can see all these different lives going on and he's got that kind of, uh, Jeff's got that kind of, not control over it but the voyeurism gives him some kind of power there that he can see all these people's secrets and, and intimate lives mm. is just fascinating for a start, it, it kind of gives you
0: I love that yeah.
2: It gives you almost you know, rather than just one film following one character, you've got all these different stories that you see ever so briefly at different times and stuff
0: yeah. I do love the idea that that Jeff knows some people in his apartment block better than like the people yeah. that are living with. This is it. Yeah. Um, I did like. I did like that. Or
2: idea. does he as well? This it was which is an interesting idea. You know, as as you said, obviously he's seeing
1: snaps, snapshots, isn't yeah. he? He's getting glimpses, and he's not getting the full picture. Exactly. But yeah, and he's drawing his own conclusions based on these little glimpses he's getting.
0: Unlike the birds, for for, for absolutely no, I'm not for one minute suggesting that like Rear Windows is a bad film. Like I, st- I think I still gave it like a seven mm. out of ten. Like I, st- I still think it's a really, really good film. I just I was missing that that moment for it to grab me by the scruff of the neck and say, "Look how amazing mm. I am!" Like I, I, it, it I don't that think
2: there me. is a... I, I won't say there is a moment in it though. I mean, obviously the climax is pretty exciting. I, I thought anyway, but I don't think there is a moment. I think it is the big picture of it all that makes it what it yeah. is. There is no one moment in it where you are like, "Wow, this is a game changer." It's just the whole. The whole structure of it and the construction of the the story, the setting, the, the characters, and everything is is what makes it so interesting.
0: No, I, I say I, as a, as a concept, mm. sort of the the way that humans interact with each other and the hidden secrets we all have from one another, and that the whole dynamic of that apartment block. I thought, as I said, as a concept, I absolutely loved it. For the first hour, I was like, I love this mm. film. But then it just didn't, which was my problem. Yeah. Which was my problem. I don't say I'm not saying it need, necessarily needed like a a climactic all-action scene. Like it just needed something to push it over the over the ridge of the hill mm. for me, which it didn't have. But I still enjoyed it. Fair
2: enough. To be fair, I'll take I'll take a seven out of ten from you on this one. That's that's not bad.
0: Yeah, As I say, it's, 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 it's for, of of my four films I've watched. I loved Psycho. Like I loved Psycho. I thought Rear Window was great, but not i like an all-timer. Rope was fine. Like <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was a bit. I, I, <clears throat> I whisper it. I was a bit bored at point, but like it was fine. And then the birds, I actively dislike. Fiona, yes. Do you want to talk us through all twenty-five? <laughs> <of them? laughs> do, you, do you want to? T- do you want to just pick a film out of this filmography that you either want to? You can pick your least favorite if you want, or you can pick your favorite other than the birds and just talk to us about it. educators about it
1: Um, it is very hard for me to narrow down I know you're joking about the 25 film thing but it's very hard for me to narrow it down to just one so I'm going to have to mention a few that's
2: fine that's oh,
1: I do encourage people to look old, like older with Hitchcock so his 30s and 50s sorry 30s and 40s works are incredible his black and white earlier films the, the 39 steps is 1935 so that's really really early but what I love Love about his early work is that you can see his hallmarks you can see that this is this director is special and you can see the way his control of the the frame is just Exquisite, and the way he directs your eye all the time, and oh, he's just a you know we call him a master for a reason. Rebecca is definitely up there, probably in my top five uh, hitches. So Rebecca, again, I said I'm not opposed to remakes. Rebecca is getting a new version directed by Ben Wheatley. It it was supposed to come out possibly this year, but obviously we don't know when it will be now, with uh, Army Hammer and Lily James which I'm really excited about, but the... That's
0: good talent, I can catch that. Rebecca from
1: 1940, with this iconic character of Mrs. Danvers, who's like this demented kind of, how um like she's a kind of maid in the house, she's the housekeeper, sorry. And she has this young woman who's like the second Mrs. De Winter come to live as she gets married to an older man. And Mrs. Danvers, the housekeeper, is still very much attached to the first Mrs. DeWinter and her memory. And so Mrs. Danvers is kind of against the new wife and starts to do things that make her feel very unwelcome. And that that film is amazing. Notorious is a really, really good earlier Hitchcock film as well. It came out in 1946 and it absolutely blows my mind because... It's dealing with uh, Nazis fleeing to South America after World War Two, and it came out in 1946. <laughs> so it is the fact that it's tackling this subject matter, mm. and it's tackling like who you can trust and sort of espionage and spies and things. But the fact that it's dealing with something that is happening, you know, right in that very moment, to me is so exciting. It's got amazing performance from Ingrid Bergman and Cary Grant. It's got a really fresh, modern female character. She's set up at the start. It's a bit like Janet Leigh in Psycho, but bear in mind, this is 1946. So she's set, yeah. she's set up as like she's a hard partying girl. She gets drunk all the time. She sleeps with men. She's just such a fresh, modern character. And then she falls for Cary Grant and then it Becomes. I mean, the love story is one element of it, but it's not the only element. It, it features another big theme of uh, Hitchcock, as well as voyeurism, is gaslighting. And yeah. and it features, again, um, character. Rebecca has this as well, where characters are kind of made to feel as if they're going mad. But they're actually being either controlled and manipulated by somebody else. Or, like in the case of Notorious, uh, she starts to actually be poisoned. So that's cool. that's one of the the themes that I really really love about his work. In terms of his later films, uh, Vertigo is how it's mm. a masterpiece, but it, but it's not my favourite Hitch. And North by Northwest. I know both of you want to watch that, but I've struggled to find it.
0: Yeah, it's not on. It seems to be a film that's omitted from any box so set weird. that they release. I don't know why. It must, it's one. Must it's one of his most history. famous things. Yeah, yeah, it must be.
1: Uh, but that is an incredible film. It's got this amazing set piece, uh, this big climactic finale on Matt Rushmore. It's also got this iconic scene where Cary Grant is running I've away seen from the, cro- the crop dusting plane. Yeah. It's just it's so, so good. In terms of his later films, Dial M for Murder and To Catch a Thief are both Grace Kelly films. Out of all Hitchcock's Icy Blonde Women, she was the one that he was most obsessed with. To Catch a thief is really glamorous uh carrie grant is a cat burglar it's set in like monte carlo it's got a really glamorous setting so obviously the costumes are gorgeous darlem for murder i saw a couple of years ago i had already seen it but i saw it again a couple of years ago in a movie theater and i saw it in 3d oh wow 3d glasses wow. and it is incredible i'm not very into modern day 3d I'm no i most- can't stand <laughs> it if I have the option to watch something not in three D then I will mm. do. But
0: annoyingly, when they release things in IMAX, it quite tends to be three D as well. Yeah.
1: Really yeah. I hate it when you don't have the option. Anyway, Dial End for Murder in proper cardboard three D glasses from the fifties. <laughs> it is it's so, so good. It's so well done. It's got all these bits where obviously you've got things coming towards you. It's uh for Murder has got a really intricate plot that I think you might like, Nick, because it definitely mm. has a payoff and it definitely Oh yes there so we go. it goes, <laughs> goes through lots of twists and turns. <laughs> and yeah, Marnie's a really interesting one. Again, I mean it's 1964 and it's it's uh, the it's got a Sean Connery non James Bond performance, which makes it unusual. It deals with the topic of rape, which you know is quite groundbreaking for its time. Mm. It's very Mm. psychologically fucked up uh, on several levels, but um, to me, Marnie is more interesting than Vertigo, but uh, it it doesn't doesn't mean it's flawless.
2: Just to touch on Vertigo, Fiona, I know know you said you like it, but it's not as amazing as what maybe other people think. I think I'd agree with you on that one. That was one of the few that I watched, I have seen it, and I, I thought it was really, really good, but I was led to believe that that was like his best almost, maybe. And I didn't quite get mm. that. I didn't feel it as much. I don't even know why really. I think it was just I think the voyeurism's there again and it's but it's just a little bit I don't know, maybe again, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. It just feels a little bit like meandering at times. Like there's not, Mm. the pacing's a little
0: bit off, I think, with Vertigo is my problem. I'm glad you used the word meandering, because that was my feelings on Rope. I thought Rope was quite meandering.
2: Mm, I don't know if I agree on Rope.
1: Rope is really, yeah, Rope is really (laughs) tightly controlled, in my opinion.
0: It just kind of sort of floats along.
1: Rope feels like a stage play in all the best ways. Yes,
0: that that was what I was going to say. I was about to ask you, whilst you were talking about his earlier films, when watching Rope, I felt like I was at the theatre. Yeah. Do his are all his older films like that?
1: No. Or was um, oh, that just I mean, uh, that that specific a stylistic Rope, choice? Yeah, it's a stylistic yeah. choice in Rope because obviously it's got the single location and it's yeah. got the one one shot effect. I mean, if you some of them like Thirty Nine Steps, The Lady Vanishes, uh, Strangers on a Train, they these have got quite elaborate you know obviously trains are involved in those three they've got quite elaborate sets and locations Jamaica Inn has got quite an exciting sort of shipwreck uh plot going on so yeah they're they're quite ambitious and you know go to different countries go to different locations have exciting scenes set on trains and and things like that so no don't don't judge all of his earlier work on rope
2: did you
0: not find it really exciting Nick are, are, mo- mo- i didn't get sort of uh how, what's the best way to describe it there was no narrative sort of excitement in the words like because obviously the whole film is dependent on the conversations mm. between the characters and there's some interesting sort of thematic thematic ideas that they sort of address and bring mm. up but i just found no and i know and i know a hitchcock is again is, is described as this master of suspense do you want to and- give
2: your quote nick <laughs> on that one what was my I quote, quote I it was remember. it was it was extreme <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think he texted me saying um i thought he was meant to be the master of suspense he's fucking not or something like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like but that was my thing with with rope like because i know it's all building up to this point where i can't remember the two characters names, but they're going to be you assume caught out and i wanted the sort of feet like and I know it I think it tried I assume it tried to do it but I didn't get it of the sort of the four walls closing in on them is as um James Stewart's uh character gets mm. introduced can't remember what he's called Rupert. It? I never got the sense that it was becoming claustrophobic and mm. horrible and uncomfortable until
1: but I think the that, final scene
0: when he comes don't, back don't
1: you think the one the one shot nature gives you that because it's um you can't escape like the frame of the camera because what editing does is obviously give you kind of a little break, you know, kind of thing, so, isn't it? Yeah, psychological yeah. breaks. Whereas this is why you know I, I defended it in nineteen seventeen. It's the relentlessness yeah. and the, and the fact yeah. that you can't and the, the fact that you can't escape it. And I think that's what Rope has. Yeah, it's, yes, yeah, it's yes. An to... unrela- unrelenting gaze.
0: Yes, to an extent. I, d- um, I do back you a little bit on
2: yeah. this, Nick. To be fair, I know what you mean. Like the the concept of it, and if you if you describe it to someone of these two guys have done this and they're going to get caught and they're kind of excited by that. It's a one take and blah, blah, blah. That all sounds probably a (laughs) little bit more exciting than the actual execution, I think. (laughs) But I still found it really exciting. I don't think it lives up to what, not not what it could be, because it it does exactly what it's set out to do, I guess. But I know what you mean. There could have been more tension, maybe.
0: It's just like, like I said, with Rear Window, it's just like, I I don't know if it's, the problem with hindsight, and watching mm. things. I don't mean. I don't mean hindsight. I mean the problem with expectation mm. and going and watching it. But I, I did some reading about Rope before I watched it, and I was like, people have described it as this, like, yeah, like I said, this suffocating experience.
2: On paper, it sounds. It sounds amazing, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and again, I just didn't. The execution was slightly off for me. Mm. And again, it's not a terrible film. But I need. I think the two lead performances, particularly the main guy, because there's obviously one guy who's a bit sort of skittish about mm. it all, and then there's the guy who's an absolute psychopath. can't remember what his name is, who gave me big Ben Affleck vibes by the way, when I was yeah. watching it. Yeah, not that Ben Affleck's a psychopath. <laughs> don't really, don't um, <laughs>
1: I I love this take. I love it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I just... Oh, yeah, like the elements, it's like Rear Window. The elements are there. Just
2: fell short a little bit.
0: Like, it's kind of like they, they made a cake, but took it out of the oven ten minutes early. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's how i describe my experiences of i could no like i said i I can agree
2: with you a little bit on rope i think to an extent i was like it's a it's a seven out of ten for me it was one of those that i was i was really excited to watch it because of what i'd read about it and what i thought might happen and i do even though i think he's done it quite well i think it it wasn't as amazing as i expected it might be
0: no i say yeah it's, it's like, a very solid I film. Know. It's still. Yeah. Oh yeah, like don't get me wrong, like it's not it's not the birds, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So off your off the back of your recommendations, Fiona, I think my box set has Dilem for Murder in it. So
1: great.
2: Um, I might check out Rebecca. Rebecca's amazing.
1: Yeah. What was the other one as yeah, well? De- Notorious
2: de- as well. I'm really intrigued. Yeah. By the balls Definitely to do that. What's
1: the Original. The original Rebecca before um, the... It's the gonna watch oh, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Yes, the I, de- I definitely will do that. Yeah. I think that's in my box set as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything either of you would like to add about Alfred Hitchcock and or his filmography? I might
2: just quickly ask Fiona, have you seen Strangers on a Train? Uh-huh. yeah. What yes. do you think? I watched it on the weekend as well.
1: I like it, but I think The Lady Vanishes is... I prefer The Lady Vanishes in terms of films set on a train mm. by Alfred Hitchcock. Okay, <laughs> the very niche. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but that was supposed to be rumoured
2: for It me, was. Wasn't it? That was going to be Affleck and Gyllenhaal, wasn't it, by Fincher? That was the rumor I'm sure, but yeah. that has long gone. I've not heard anything about that. I thought about that after I watched it. But no, I'm guessing Gyllenhaal was going to play Bruno. Was his name Bruno? I forget what he's called. The, the weird guy. I'm sure it's Bruno. Yeah, the 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 guy who basically proposes the plan and gets obsessed with the plan was pretty good mm. in that. Really, really, I think, again, a little bit like Perkins in Psycho his acting didn't stand out as being oh, this is from this era kind of thing it it did just feel like genuinely quite good acting transcendent yeah definitely i think the rest of the acting wasn't amazing obviously again it was very different sorry not not amazing just different <laughs> very different but no i thought it was quite good i quite liked it i think it was a little bit i mean there was a bit towards the end where guy is playing tennis for about 15 minutes of the film <laughs> and yeah that was a little bit laborious but i get it i know why he yeah. needed to do that i was a little bit curious by the clock that he keeps looking at though because he played a five set match of tennis i think and the clock only moved forward <laughs> like 10 minutes so that was a bit weird He's a pro. yeah yeah <laughs> but no there was some really good bits really good shots quite good tension there's a little twisty moment that was quite good yeah i thought it was all right that one i quite enjoyed it yeah yeah definitely want to check out if you can nick i think you you'd maybe like it I don't, i'm not going to promise anything yeah. anymore but.
0: again it's yes. it's it's another one of those where the concept mm. of it it really it interests me uh because well, obviously everybody knows what the story of strange yeah is. i think i could surmise my what's the deal nick yeah <laughs> my my experience of hitchcock so far is that i have absolutely no doubts that he is a great filmmaker because you can just look at the way the, the, and the way he composes his shots and his and his transitions into shots and the way he frames characters to take you in like inside their psych. The way like he's a great filmmaker, and if you look at something like rope, like what a feat of filmmaking. It's the narrative elements so far that have been hit and miss mm. for me. Because like I said about the birds, all of my issues were narrative points mm. to the point where I was just, i'm just completely checked out and don't care about this film <laughs> like there was nothing if you look at it as a point of, as a piece of filmmaking i have absolutely no problems with it whatsoever so and as my final question to you fiona you will probably be more no more than me did hitchcock write any of his films or because he... i think of the of the four i've watched i don't think he wrote any of them
1: his off the top wife... of my head his wife wrote some as well, so his wife. She edited them as well. Yeah, she? she she's an yeah. editor by trade, but she co-wrote some of his scripts. His writes. I mean, I I like his films that are based on books as well. So Rebecca, Jamaica Inn, and Lady Vanishes are based on D'Emoria and Agatha Christie novels. So that's, the Bert that the bird is D'Emoria as well. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Sorry. So um, um, that's. I think he. I, I I love when he works as like an an ad, adapter. Ad, adapter adapter
0: adapter. <laughs>
1: um yeah it's interesting about the script writing because I I definitely think it is hit coming from him the vast majority yeah. of his themes his ideas the psychological exploration all of that I think is definitely coming from him so even even if his name isn't on the script I yeah. think the story you know is is coming from his brain, yeah, because those themes I know for a fact are definitely his concerns, and also you can see the th- through lines and connections you know through so much of his work, and he keeps coming back to these same themes that he he wants to explore,
0: yeah, that doesn't happen by chance, <laughs> yeah exactly,
1: so that's why I mean I know the word author is controversial, but I do view him as an author because. There is such a signature to his work and it goes through like I was saying from the earliest sort of nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties work. He has a signature style which is so, you know, so unique to him. Yeah. And he has such a strong through line in, in his work. That's why I, I consider him an auteur.
0: Mm. I'm in no way put off by continuing to explore his his uh, filmography at all. Good. It's it's something I've I've been meaning to do for years. After Hitchcock it'll probably be um your man. Mr. Kubrick. Barnes. Mr. Kubrick. Yeah. Yay. Mm. And, us three, us, and we'll have to get back together and do what's the deal I'd with love. Stanley Kubrick. I'm excited and <laughs> very, very to nervous do that. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because the only two films of his I've seen are The Shining and 2001 a Space Odyssey. The Shining I like as a film. I dislike it as an adaptation of the book. Mm. And I have absolutely no idea what I think about <laughs> <laughs> 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone <laughs> no, does. No, that's fine. <laughs> but, um... S-
1: Kubrick is kind of the opposite of Hitchcock in some ways because he made, like, a masterpiece in so many different genres. So it's like, oh, I'm going to make the best sci-fi movie ever. I'm going to make the best horror movie ever. I'm going to make the best, you know... uh, He he, he just worked in so many different, wildly varying genres. Um, Like, you know, his period film, uh, Barry Lyndon is, like, an absolute masterpiece of that genre. And it's Mm. almost like he was... He was saying, you know, I am going to go. He in. tested himself, list, I? Yeah. I love it. I love <laughs> and, that. And I love it as well. And oh, Clockwork yeah. Orange, like, there's just so much for you to explore with Kubrick. It's it's a lot more varied yeah. th- than Hitchcock.
0: We'll uh, we'll put it in. We'll pencil in our diaries. Three of us will get back together and do a do a Kubrick episode in the future. But yes, so I'm going to go and I might watch Dial for Murder tonight. You never know. <laughs> After recording with this.
2: Your 3D glasses. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll say, I've probably got to submit a draw yeah. somewhere. I'll dig some out. <laughs> but yeah, that has been our very sort of brief. I say brief, we've been here for over an hour now. <laughs> but as Fiona said, we could talk for mm. for, for years about um, mm. Hitchcock. Uh, dive into Alfred Hitchcock's filmography, and more importantly, Psycho, which is celebrating its 60th birthday tomorrow as this goes out. So the, all that remains is for me to do a bit of admin and just say thank you to our new Patreon subscribers. I say that we have three tiers of subscription on the on the site uh and if you subscribe to the top tier the ten dollar subscription tier which is called only god subscribes perfect very good <laughs> um you are entitled to yourself to a shout out on here so a big thank you to chris wilson let there be light productions zoe baines dower griffiths sam luck aura smith peter hodgkins and nicole pot for your continued support we're very much appreciative of it a subscription to any of the Patreon tiers gets you access to the new Cut Online magazine which the first edition of went out at the beginning of the month. Uh, it's been really well received by those of you who have read it so far so thanks for doing that, supporting us and giving us some feedback and we hope you're enjoying reading it because there's been a lot of work gone into that from a lot of people. Mm. So yeah, that's it. I don't know who's coming on the next episode because I'm very poorly prepared. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose... It- yes, check, Fiona? Check.
1: Check out Sarah Budry's con continuing Disney series, yeah. and al- also Audrey's continuing uh, classic cinema series, which I've been uh, I've been partaking uh, in the 1940s and 1950s. I'm probably going to do the there might be some as well, crossovers with this episode. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. No, yeah. Sarah is doing a absolutely mammoth job of taking herself through the whole <laughs> of Disney's uh, Disney's she, animated series. She's mad. Um, yeah and like Fiona said Audrey's working her way decade by decade through the history of film Dave continues to do his his celebratory anniversary uh, episode he's done Gladiator and Batman Begins uh, recently like we've done today with Psycho so look out for that so yeah just keep your eyes on Jumpcast there'll be lots of content continuing uh, to come to your ears as always but for now it's thank you Fiona
1: thank you for having me I enjoyed that
0: (laughs) That's all right, thank you for educating us. <laughs> thank you to Jake. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. No problem. And goodbye from me, I suppose. Uh yes, we'll see you next time here on Jumpcast. Bye bye.